This episode of the Insurance Coffee House is sponsored by Insurance Search. Insurance Search provides executive recruitment services to insurance companies and brokers in the UK and across the United States. Visit insurance-search.com for more details. The Insurance Coffee House, the place where you get to meet and learn from some of the most successful insurance business leaders from across the world. Hosted by Nick Hoadley, CEO of Insurance Search. Welcome to the Insurance Coffee House Global InsureTech Series. I'm Nick Hoadley, and each week you can join me as I interview leading InsureTech executives from around the world. We will be learning about the different InsureTech technologies and finding out how they can be a benefit to both insurance brokers and carriers when it comes to delivering for your customers. We'll also be learning about the different career opportunities available to insurance leaders within the InsureTech space and what benefits that can give to your career. I hope you enjoy the show. Today, I'm joined by George Kesselman, who is the head of commercial at ZA Tech. ZA Tech are an international insurtech business based in Asia, and George joins us on the line today from Singapore. Welcome to the show, George. Thanks, Nick. Really glad to be here. George, really great to have you on the show today. Really looking forward to hearing about the great work that you're doing there at ZA Tech and all the things going on there. Before we start, though, as ever, could you share with our listeners a little bit more about your background and the journey that you've taken that's led you to to joining ZA Tech. Yeah, definitely. So my journey has been a little bit non-linear as, uh, as I kind of charted my path through the past couple of years. After doing my grad studies in Canada, I, I've joined the Prudential UK in, in their uh, Hong Kong office. It was also kind of an interesting story behind that but basically stayed about 10 years in the insurance career throughout Asia, Hong Kong, Singapore, worked with likes of AXA, then joined AIG in their Indonesia business, spent a couple of years there as a COO, came back to a regional role uh, in, in Singapore, and thought that's kind of like everything was pretty much charted for me in, in the world of, of insurance career ladder. And I think this is where the, the news about InsurTech started to bubble up during around the same time. Kind of a lemonade announcement came up in the US and it really, really caught my attention because a, a lot of it kind of, it really kind of plugged in into a lot of the things that I was experiencing in insurance. I felt like everything was just felt like very stuck in the ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think I was one of the one of the younger people in the, in the insurance executive roles. I was uh, 33 at a time. Uh, managing a very large team and it just felt like oh this is very very frustrating like do i see myself staying here for the next uh, 20 years uh build an insurance career um and this is where kind of i made made the jump into the world of insurtech around the same time set up insurtech asia started working with a lot more startups and insurers trying to bridge the gap end up doing some super interesting projects in between uh, like helping uh, Uber as it was coming into the into Asia uh, to really find the right insurance product as they were expanding so rapidly, like across markets every other every other week, basically, um, and uh, really kind of spurred me into this intersection of tech and insurance. And from there on, as I expanded and worked with many of the startups uh, in the region, I also kind of caught the entrepreneurial bug. Uh, started my own early stage venture, uh, grew that very well over a couple of years, and uh, we we've ended up uh, being the 
uh, really kind of uh, specialized into the world of uh, startup insurance. And from there, I think it ended up being a nice, nice uh, lifestyle business. I kind of grew to a nice size. Uh, and ZA came knocking on the door and said, hey, we're, we're rapidly growing across the region. Um, we, we have a lot of opportunities. We really need somebody like you with an entrepreneurial mindset to help us bring it to a next level. And then I said, okay, it sounds like actually, you know, going from a startup of seven people to 700 people to really something that's scaling really, really quickly uh, was something that really caught my attention. And that's, I think, the, the overall like play out of my journey. It sounds like an amazing journey. So many different paths that you've taken there. Can I ask you, first of all, you were obviously doing exceptionally well in insurance executive at the age of 33 years old. Was that the largest leap for you, taking that leap out of the sort of traditional insurance business into the insure tech world? And, and how did that play out? It, it was definitely not an easy one. Uh, I had a lot of conversations with my wife, uh, who was highly encouraging me to kind of stay on to the corporate career. I, I just felt like this bug inside of me to say like, mm-hmm. you know, I need, I need to do something different. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I stay on, there's, you know, you kind of lock yourself onto this path and it's much harder to, to deviate from it. Mm-hmm. And then at the same time, it felt like a, a lot of the stars were aligning during mm-hmm. the same time. There was a, a lot of a lot of movements at that time I was at the AIG and it was just not a happy environment for everybody. Just, everybody just felt like people are like getting laid off, people, changes are happening. Mm. It just felt like, you know, very, very different contrast. On mm. one side, you kind of have like an excitement and a lot of a lot of things happening. On the other side, you kind of have something that's just very, very frustrating. Mm. And that's why I think that contrast really made it very appealing and very kind of like, say like okay, th- this is the time to make a jump. There's no point of like looking for another insurance job. You know, th- this is a real opportunity of a lifetime to try yeah, something absolutely. like this. Absolutely. And now you've got both that insurance background, you've got the technology experience and also the entrepreneurial experience as well. So that must all stand you in, in great stead for the work you're doing now. Yeah, it's, it, I think it worked out really well. I think looking back, I probably would have uh, done certain things a little bit different. Uh, but you know, hindsight is twenty twenty, and I think o- overall has been a very fulfilling journey. And overall, I kind of, I guess, looking back, I wouldn't have done much, much different. Fantastic, fantastic, George. I've got to ask you: You're a very busy man. How do you start your day in Singapore? What's your go-to coffee of choice in the morning? The go-to coffee place is actually called Ritual. Funny enough, it's actually my wife's place. So <laughs> she, uh, while I'm uh, entrepreneurial side of things in the in the insurance she is in the fmb so l- last year when we had a lot of lockdowns she has uh, another cafe which is quite far she said you know we, we're so difficult to get a coffee and uh, normally you, you would uh, buy a coffee machine but my wife decided to open another cafe nearby so fantastic. this is my go-to place fantastic oh it sounds amazing sounds amazing i hope you get a good discount there george <laughs> yes i do <laughs> Fantastic. So, George, if you could explain to our listeners a little bit more about DA Tech. Obviously, a lot of our listeners based in the UK, United States might not be so familiar with the Asian market. If you could just give us a little bit more background on the business and, and how things are going there. Yep. So, CA Tech is a joint venture between Zhongang uh, Insurance mm-hmm. uh, and SoftBank. Um, and this is where I think it's very interesting is that 
Zhongang itself, I think a lot of people have heard about Zhongang and was a pioneer in the online space in, in China, grown massive amounts, and now is still a leading uh, digital player in, in China market. I think now like much, much bigger than it was obviously when it kind of first started. And I think as the business grew, the technology that underpinned was uh, evolving and it was really maturing very quickly as well. And this is where they thought about you know, how, how do I think about bringing something like this to international markets? And they decided that their focus is in insurance in China and the technology can be basically brought out through this JV with uh, with uh, SoftBank. Mm. So this is where the ZA tech story was born. Uh, it's a relatively young business, I would say. It, it functions as a completely standalone business from the Zhongang. So it's, uh, I think this is where some people abbreviate us as uh, Zhongang Tech, but actually it's uh, it's not. It's, it is ZA Tech, as you correctly pronounced uh, in the beginning. And uh, the business has grown very rapidly in international markets. Um, now we actually operate in, across seven markets, including uh, most most big Asian markets. And uh, now uh, recently we also uh, started to, to operate in, in Europe as well. Right. So the, the business is focused on the technology and uh, we have, both the technology that is uh, suitable for the insurers that uh, want to really digitalize themselves at the core, launch digital partnerships, digital products. And at the same time, we have uh, a very, very interesting proposition for internet platforms that also is suited for the embedded insurance. Uh, so basically, whenever they're looking for launching insure tech businesses, this technology allows them to quickly go to market and launch this insure tech businesses that uh, supplement their core propositions. So we have uh, JVs with Grab, uh, which is the biggest ride-sharing platform uh, here in Southeast Asia. Uh, we recently announced another JV with Ovo, which is uh, the biggest payment uh, unicorn in Indonesia. And this is this is where we work very closely with them to provide them with that technology to really create that insure tech uh, ecosystems. Fantastic. And if we can just focus on the on the technology side of things for a second, what technology are you providing to those insure tech businesses and to the insurance carriers, and how have you developed that technology? So it's a, it's a full stack technology. It's basically allowing the the insurers to create an insure tech business, and you know from from the core systems to all the peripheral modules that allows them to to operate and go to market and right, the front-end interfaces. Uh, so we look at it as really like turnkey insure tech business for whatever the insurers are looking to, to go to market with. Usually a lot of the insurers are coming to us now to say that, hey, they secured a digital partner, then they realize how just how big of a gap there is between what the digital partner is expecting and what they're currently able to provide on the legacy tech. Um, and, and ours basically allows them to go to market with a digital partner in less than three months, uh, kind of from the from the signing. And on the other side, with, with the likes of uh, the super apps and the platforms, digital platforms, they come to us now as well and they say, hey, I can develop something like this in-house, probably it's going to take me a year and a half, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I don't have any insurance expertise. We, we've seen that we can consistently accelerate that journey for them as well from mm-hmm. you know, a year and a half to uh, less, than, less than a couple of months uh, to really accelerate that. So if the insurance company or the insured tech, they've got the insurance product, you can provide the technology to distribute that and get that out to market very, very quickly, much quicker than their legacy systems would. And it's not about changing or adapting their legacy systems. It's, it's literally putting in a new system for them that, that they can go straight out to market with very, very quickly. 
Exactly. So it, it's really helping them to shortcut the journey as well. Uh, so rather than trying to retrofit something that was built from you know 1980s, 1990s um, into the into the current world, to really allow them to go to market in something mm -hmm. that's a modern cloud native uh, application uh, and a solution that's built for this purpose. Yeah, fantastic. And what would you say are the key benefits to the carriers and to the insure techs that you work with? Is it that speed to market? Is it that efficiency, that agileness? What, what are the key benefits there? I think the key benefit is really about helping them grow their business. To, to me, the technology, and I kind of been in both in the world of insurance and insurtech, technology is a, a lot of times is secondary, right? Mm -hmm. It's really about mm -hmm. what is what is the key objective right now is for everybody to just continue growing. I think what you you realize looking around probably is that a lot of the a lot of the insurance companies are plateauing in terms of their growth. Mm -hmm. Whatever they were doing before and whatever got them to this point is is no longer generating kind of meaningful returns. And if you plow another you know, a couple of million dollars in, the, in what used to work before is no longer generating any sort of uh, meaningful ROI on it. So mm -hmm. what we allow them to do is basically create that new ROI streams uh, using the you know, digital channels, uh, using even kind of the existing channels, but much more in a digital way uh, mm -hmm. to really you know, bump it up in terms of that growth where it used to be before. Fantastic. And I'm sure that's a huge benefit, not only to those uh, clients and businesses that you work in Asia, but internationally as well. And you have some further growth plans over the next couple of years to expand into new territories. Yeah, absolutely. So I think we, we look at it again as a global business. We look at international markets as all having a lot of, obviously it's their own uh, specialty, but at the same time, it's a lot of the similarities and in, in the way that insurance is playing a catch up to this world of internet, right? The, the world mm -hmm. of internet uh, have all completely overtaken basically everywhere. And it's more or less the same, right? Digital ecosystems are sprouting out. Uh, there's big clusters of those uh, ecosystems that are more or less emerging across, across the boundaries geographically. And this is where we think that th this type of solutions also follows that uh, same growth. And in fact, uh, as I think about kind of where with insurance is going, the insurance will follow as, as one of this kind of a key components of the future internet economy. Mm. Fantastic. Thank you, George. George, I'd love to ask you how you see the insurance market developing over the next five years. You've clearly got wealth of experience from a traditional insurer, also as an entrepreneur and a, a insure tech business as well. So how do you see the insurance market developing over the next uh, five years? And what, what do you think companies need to be doing in order to be successful? I think it's going to be a combination of factors. I, I think about it as a bit of a phasing of change. So for the past five years or so, since the whole insure tech movement has started, we've been in this uh, first phase of kind of incremental change. And I think we largely completed that. Um, I think by the by the beginning of last year, more or less all this kind of a low hanging fruit of digital putting websites and apps, I think was largely completed. Um, and what we've now entered and significantly accelerated through this period has been in, in terms of the embedded insurance. 
So if you ask somebody two years ago, what's embedded insurance, people will be like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Now, embedded insurance is probably the hottest topic, but it also means that it has reached a certain level of maturity. I think it's a very, very kind of a similar parallel as if you want to draw about different, different verticals. Nobody knew about Bitcoin before it became mainstream. Now embedded insurance is a mainstream in insurance because it's already reached that level of saturation. So Embedded is still going to continue growing, and I think it's, it has a, a lot of potential to continue, you know, increasing the penetration. Uh, but it's not going to be like kind of a massive, massive movement. I think what will happen going forward is that that blend of online to offline is going to play a much, much bigger role uh, going forward. And I think that is probably going to be the biggest transformation because this is where things will start to get a lot closer to the mainstream insurance. Right now, if you think about most of the embedded product, it's still this kind of micro uh, couple of cents to a couple of dollars type of product. And, and most of the insurers are like, look, I'm selling, selling a thousand dollar car insurance. And then, you know, this one, one uh, dollar, one pound embedded insurance is, is basically meaningless, right? It's not very interesting. But I think that nature of a disruption, it kind of follows that from sideways stuff to, to really mainstream. And this is where, that hybrid omni-channel, whatever you want to call it, uh, online to offline to back to online type of change will have a much more fundamental change that will will come, that will bring to the industry. And I think once that really got the space and it's already, we've seen some really, really interesting signs of that from the kind of eight, some certain Asian clusters, uh, once that got the space, I think that will have a much more fundamental redefining of what insurance is all about. And that's where probably the next five years is going to be the big focus of not only like, okay, how do you give iPad to the agents, which is a traditional way of digitizing the distribution, but much more about that whole integrated approach of, you know, somebody starts their journey on the Amazon. Uh, they want to talk to somebody uh, to understand like what exactly, what does it mean? You know, how does it fit? answer some of the questions that they might have in terms of the overall life journey or wherever, wherever kind of a trust uh, questions that they might have. And then they would probably come back online and kind of complete that journey online in a, in a very, very seamless way. Right now, I think we're still thinking about it a little bit like kind of a chunky of trying to retrofit. How does the agent process going to go into the o- online process? So I think there's still uh, uh, quite a bit of unknowns behind that, mm-hmm. but we already are seeing that there's a lot of new ways that we can engage that and, and really push insurance um, in a in a very very uh, front way uh, to the customers. Thank you, George. It's really fascinating and very interesting. I think there's going to be a lot of change. And you know what you're saying about embedded insurance about two years ago. You know, not a lot of people knew too much about it, but it's the the hot topic at the moment. That's for sure. So it'll be interesting to see what the hot topic is in in two years time and and see how that plays out. We now turn to the espresso round, George, as the the questions are short, sharp and straight to the point. So I know you like getting your coffee from your wife's coffee shop over there in Singapore. Did you say the name is Ritual? Is that right? That's right. Ritual Coffee Shops. We'll, We'll give her a plug there too, George. Are you ready for the espresso round? Yes, go for it. Fantastic. The espresso round. George, at CA Tech, what percentage of the employees there are from an insurance background compared to a, a non-insurance background? Majority is from the non-insurance background. So I would say close to 80% is uh, from tech background and 20% is mm. you know, an insurance expert. And the guys who do have that insurance experience, what value do they bring to your business? What aspect of the business do they bring the most amount of value to? 
So the biggest value that the insurance expertise brings is how do you bring the world of insurance closer to the world of tech? Mm-hmm. Um, and how do you think about the growth aspects of the insurance? So things around like unbundling the insurance, picking up the components, how do you pick a, a traditional product and really modulize it for, for the embedded insurance, for example? Mm-hmm. Those are kind of things that is invaluable to have with the insurance expertise to, to really kind of focus on those aspects. So I think this is where that combination of tech heavy team plus the insurance expertise still biases us very much towards the tech, but it has that really strong reality foundation when it comes to the insurance fundamentals. And what personalities best suit a working environment like yours? Clearly, you've lived the, you've had the career in the insurance side of things, but you very clearly had an itch to do something more entrepreneurial, to do something more tech orientated. Are those the types of personalities, those people who are drawing things service, are they the people who best suit a business like yours? Yeah, definitely. So somebody who is very much comfortable with ambiguity, comfortable with uh, a lot of very fast moving problems uh, and uh, really kind of figuring things out as you go is the kind of best fit for for us. In fact, when I I talk to the people who have the insurance background, I always look out to see if they've had any experience of starting something themselves, Mm -hmm. running, you know, any kind of business themselves as well, because it gives a a very, very different collaboration. And I think that's something that is very important when it comes to startups. You don't need to have run the startup before, but it really helps that you have spent some time running an SME or being part of the small business and really having this kind of a multi, multi-dimensional problem solving mm. Mm. and the ownership mindset, I think is also another very important one. Yeah. So not only having that curiosity, but demonstrating that you've actually taken some action and some steps towards that, which I, I think that's great advice for anyone out there looking at that move at the moment. What opportunities do you provide there to high-performing talent? I think opportunities is basically you very quickly bubble up to the top and, and the team overall, I would say like it's a, it's a pretty incredible team and most, most of the team are running like 110 miles an hour. You kind of also need to bias yourself to say like, okay, I, if I used to be a high performer in insurance, you, you might find that there's a lot more competition in the, in the world of startups because people are just a lot more hungrier and, and running a lot faster. Uh, but for the people who, are, who are, have been successful with us, you very, very quickly, a tremendous amount of opportunity, basically responsibility is increasing really, really exponentially as the business grows as well. So there's no like, okay, you need to wait for somebody else to get away from that role before you kind of go into it. You just very quickly say like, okay, here's like another huge partnership. And we do an M&A deal and, and, you know, this is this is all the stuff that we need help with. Mm. So very quickly, you, you can pick your your problems that you want to, to work on, basically. Absolutely. And is that sometimes a frustration or is that something that you sometimes see lacking from the insurance industry, that speed? I mean, it's very difficult because there are clearly a lot of people who have got the personalities and they've got the characteristics to, to move quickly and to make decisions quickly. But because of the structure and the framework of that corporate business, they're not able to do that in their in their current role. So is, is that something that you find particularly lacking or is it there but they just don't have the opportunity to use it at the moment? Yeah, I think it's there's definitely uh, people within the insurance world who have those capabilities. I, I, I think it's, yeah, as you rightly said, that they've probably been kind of a slammed one a few times uh, to say like, okay, okay, stay within the boundaries 
uh, don't get kind of too far outside of the box. And uh, I definitely seen a lot of frustrated people kind of leaving in the world of insurance and saying like, okay, I just wanted to try it. But at the same time, I find that unless you've been exposed to a world of startups or, or small businesses, you also have a little bit of a naivety about kind of how things world, how things work in the world of, of startups. You, you kind of, your, your point of reference is the Facebook movie or, or Google movie or what you read in the news, which is, is very different kind of living that rather than reading about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think there's definitely a, a lot of good talent in insurance, but you also, if you're kind of a, an insurance exec who is looking to, or who's aspiring to do that, there's actually a lot of ways to get engaged before you make that jump. Yeah. Uh, whether you, you start to mentor, you start to work with the businesses, start doing things on the side to kind of get up to speed on it. I think all those kind of things, you can give that exposure to yourself uh, before you make that leap because you might find that it's a quite a far leap to make. Would that be the best advice that you would give to someone considering that move at the moment is to start making those preparations and start getting involved and things so that it is a smaller leap for them? I would say so, yeah. I think that that's something that I've encountered myself where kind of a jump probably off the cliff of a corporate and kind of went all the way down to a startups. Looking back, I think what, what I realized that it would have been much more logical to say like, okay, how do I find that intermediate step yeah. that allowed me to make a more gradual transition, even mm-hmm. kind of it's a fast paced transition, but it's still more, much more like mm-hmm. feel like you're not jumping off the cliff and then you're kind of hoping, hoping you can build something in the kind of on the way, on the way down uh, to catch you on. Excellent. So what I, what I do is I, I, I had a lot of those conversations with the insurance execs that are coming to me and they're saying that, okay, I want to start a startup, right? Like that's a very kind of a hip thing to do right now to say, I feel like I have an idea. I want to start a startup. And like, it's very different from kind of a starting an early stage startup from a corporate. You, it's a, it's a tremendously difficult thing. And it's a high, high probability of failure. So it's like, how do you find your path into a startup? I think it's much more logical. It's the kind of conversations that I usually have with a success. Fantastic. It's brilliant advice, George. Thank you so much. Unfortunately, we've almost reached the end of our time in the insurance coffee house today. Time has certainly flown by. Before we go there, do you have one piece of closing advice for our listeners and how would they go about contacting you after the show? I think the piece of advice is uh, just keep keep fresh and keep keep plugged in into things. I think the, the world of insurance tech is definitely going to change in the next couple of years. I think we're, we're still at the fairly early stages of it. Mm-hmm. So don't get disillusioned. Don't kind of give up and say that, oh, nothing is going to change. Things will just continue changing and the pace of change is going to accelerate. Uh, happy happy to have a conversation. Uh, my You can reach me on LinkedIn. That's probably the easiest. Spent a lot of time there having a very interesting conversations with people. Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn. My hashtag uh, there is actually InsureTech. So if you search LinkedIn in and hashtag InsureTech, you'll, you'll find me. Be able to find you there. Fantastic. Thank you so much, George. I think that advice is brilliant and is so pertinent in today's world. Absolutely. And of course, to our listeners there, we will we'll post George's LinkedIn profile on the contact details on the show notes so you can click straight through to him. George, thank you so much for your time today. It's been a real pleasure to have you on the show and to find out a lot more about ZA Tech and the, the great work you're doing there for carriers and, and for InsureTech and also finding out as well about your thoughts and how you see the insurance industry progressing. I think it's been absolutely fascinating. Thanks, Nick. It was fun. 
Thanks very much, George. I'm glad you enjoyed it and I'm sure our listeners have as well. To all our listeners out there, whether you're insurance leaders, insurtech leaders uh, from around the world, we thank you for listening today and I'm sure you would have gained a lot of great insights and a lot of value from uh, what George has had to say. If you did enjoy the show, please remember to download and subscribe to the pod to receive each one of our episodes directly into your app each week. And if you'd like to be a guest on the show or would like to learn more about the competitive advantage that podcasts can give to your business when attracting talent, please reach out to us at insurance-search.com or drop us a message on LinkedIn. Until next time, I've been Nick Codley. This has been the Insurance Coffee House Global InsureTech Series. Take care. You've been listening to the Insurance Coffee House with Nick Hoadley. Join us next time to hear more insights and inspiring success stories to help you become a better insurance business leader. Available to download or subscribe now.